0: Um, and so what I would love to do now is i just love to really hand over to Christine. Um, those of you who are at the conference have um, seen and heard Christine and Craig. It's great to have them both with us. They're from um, uh, this season of life. They're from Oklahoma. Um, and uh, it's great to have them with us and be under um, some of the ministry that the Lord has put in our heart for us. So um um they're here with us until tomorrow before they go home, so it's great that we not only had them for the conference, but that they could speak here this morning, and they'll be with us in Largan tonight. So come on ahead, Christine. It's great to have you here with us. Um, we um, we really love what both Christine and Craig carry. And, um, and um, Christine, as I said, for those of you who, who weren't at the conference, just as a really trusted kind of prophetic voice within 24-7 Prayer and, and beyond as well, and so we really just value what she carries and... And welcome, welcome her here. So, stretch your hand out, with you, as we as we pray for Christine before she brings us, uh, some of what's on God's heart for us. So, God, we just thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for your presence here, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you for Christine, God, and for Craig. Thank you for what you've put on them and put in their hearts. So, God, pray that you give her, Lord, just a uh, help now as she tries to articulate the things that you're placing on her heart for your people in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: How many of you were at the conference? I, I just—I'm um, still rather speechless from the whole weekend. Like I—I'm um, pretty wrecked. There was many times where I felt like I was—it was just a privilege to be in the room and um, to see what God is doing. And I don't—I don't say that often, and I don't say that lightly. Like I. God is doing some amazing things in this part of the world. But I want to go so far as to say uh, specifically through Emmanuel and and what Alan and Phil and the others are imparting and um, building in the kingdom. I'm going to need Kleenex because I'm going to cry. Is there? (laughs) And I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm really not sorry, it comes with the, the package. <laughs> I'm trying not to say sorry when I don't mean it. Do you guys do that? I was raised by a British mother and saying sorry was just something you put at the end of the sentence. <laughs> we were just, we apologized for everything. I'm like, why am I saying I'm sorry? I'm not really sorry. I mean, it's to the point now where if the Holy Spirit moves on me and I do something weird. It's like an impulse. I have to apologize afterwards. I'm like, but I'm not sorry that the Holy Spirit just did that. Um, Okay, sweetie, I already forgot your name, and I feel like we're best friends now after this weekend. Liz. Liz. Could I ask you to stand up? Um, You and I have connected several times throughout the weekend, so this is not the first time I've seen you. But as... um, I was looking for a moment that I could just speak to you in front of people because I, um, I feel like I want to give you a promise that I believe is from the Lord. What I, I, I not only, um, and Alan told me, all he said, um, <laughs> I need to confess that what I know about you in the natural already is he said she's been through a lot and it's quite a story of redemption. So that I know from Alan. But I already knew that, um, if I could be so bold from the Lord, and He uh, said, you're, you're not only going to carry redemption, but when the season is over, you're going to have much to say. So he's putting, uh, he's, he's creating you into a preacher, <laughs> a, a preacher and a teacher to, to steal back from the enemy's camp what he tried to steal from you. You're going to be um, unstoppable. He's putting a fire inside of you to speak, to prophesy, to teach, to bring forth the truth into the places that need it in the darkness. So you're going to speak in dark places, into dark hearts, and bring light. So I just want to bless the the prophetic teacher mix inside of you and say, keep going, keep going forward. Don't ever stop chasing him down. You can trust your heart. You're not gonna get anywhere that he's called you to be without following what he's put in your heart. Don't follow your head. Your heart is good.
2: Yes, you can.
1: So I'll be honest with you, we do, um, we only do the corporate prophetic stuff when we travel, because to be honest, it's, um, did I mention I was raised by a British mother? It, uh, even for an American, believe it or not, it feels a little showy, and I don't like to, to do that, but um, there are some times that the Holy Spirit wants things to be shared in front of people for my own accountability, because you don't really know me, and, uh, and you get, you are just as responsible to weighing out the words that the Lord is speaking as I am. Uh, the hearers, the scripture makes it clear that we are to receive prophetic utterances very um, willingly, but we are to uh, examine them carefully, receive what's good and throw away what's evil, right? And so I, I um, when I'm at home, people know me, and so I don't mind walking up to strangers, but... Um, When I'm here, I feel like I need to be held accountable, so that's part of the reason it's in front of people, but also you're a witness to what God might be speaking uh, to this amazing woman right here, and so now you can hold her accountable. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Okay. Um, So I hope it's okay that this is a little bit messy this morning, because I, I really... Instead of bringing a, a teaching, I really want to share from my heart. That's just what I feel like is um, happening here. And uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, there's oftentimes I can share without crying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the Jews. That won't make me cry, I don't think. <laughs> that might be a safe place to start. You know, the, a, a good Jewish boy like Paul or any other good Jewish boy, like most of Jesus' disciples, they were going to be raised um, knowing the Torah right they're going to they were they were raised knowing the scriptures they were raised especially studying the big scriptures like Isaiah 6 and uh, and Ezekiel where the, the the throne room revelations that they were talking about this morning they would have been raised chewing on the encounters that God had with the Israelites in the wilderness like they knew the story the, this Torah wasn't just the, a bible that they pulled out on a sunday morning it was it was a book that they lived, it was their story, it was their personal story that they were living out. They were the people of God and they read it as, as, as a, their own history, their own story, their own legacy that they were still walking out. And so as they read these passages, they would have memorized the day that the power of God landed on Mount Horeb and, and all the Israelites trembled and hit the dust, and, I mean literally the mountain trembled, and the fear of the Lord was so thick amongst these people that they could not stand, and they were afraid, terrified to the point where they were screaming, we cannot hear the voice of God and live, like we. he must not speak to us, we are not worthy. They knew the power of God. They knew the fear of the Lord like no other people in all of history, and I think that's still true. I think they have something in their DNA that that understands the fear of the Lord, that understands the, the holiness of God. They know the tremble. They would have sat and meditate and imagined Isaiah 6, Isaiah's whole encounter in the throne room where Isaiah was standing there and. And Isaiah, this prophet of God, you know, they spoke with the Lord and and he spoke to the people, the words of God. But Isaiah stood in that throne room freaking out, freaking out. Like, (laughs) he is a man no different than you and I. He was a human uh, with, with, you know, normal skin, uh, normal daily life, daily function, very ordinary guy. And here he is standing in the throne room of God. And his um, very understandable reaction was to freak out. And, you know, we read the passage very calmly. Oh, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. (laughs) We We can read it like that. But what do you think that sounded like? I mean, I think he was screaming at the top of his lungs. I think he was trembling from head to foot. I think he was face down on the ground, feeling like, "This is the last breath I will take. I am about to die." I think he was screaming at the top of the lungs of, of his lungs and like like, freaking, good, proper freakout. Not a British one. It was, this was a good, proper Texan freakout. Right? Screaming. As he faced the holiness of God and he knew, I have seen God and I know that no man can see God and live. Hmm. This is the God that Paul knew. Paul lived a life serving this God very passionately. As we know, he was willing to kill anybody who got in the way of um, presenting a false God. So he was convinced that how could anybody believe that that God that Isaiah saw, that that same God in the, in the throne room, that this, this mountain shaking one that could not be seen and, and have humans live as they looked at him, that the holiness of this God could, could never dwell in a man impossible. You've got to be kidding me. It was so offensive to the person of God. It was so offensive to the person of Paul. It was so offensive to the Jewish culture. It was so appalling to them that people were saying that Jesus was God incarnate. It's still offensive. And I honestly, I understand why. We don't have um, most of us, anyway. I don't know who's in this room, but we don't have that that um, foundation. We're not standing on the, the ground of the fear of the Lord the same way. I ask the Lord for it all the time. Like Lord, us Gentiles, we we need the we need that. Will you put that fear of the Lord that the Jews have that they were raised with that they were they soaked in? Will you put that in my DNA because I I want that because on the on the on the Damascus Road, you know the story that we know so much about that is so familiar. Paul could not see with his natural eyes. He could not see and understand how this Holy One, that the Holy One of Israel could climb inside of a baby and make himself vulnerable to be cared for and raised by the very people he created, by these sinful ones, by these broken people. He could not comprehend like you've got to That's it's. he could not comprehend that with his natural mind he could not comprehend that that's why the Lord had to blind him so that he could see with his spirit and on that day his worlds collided on that day when Jesus said It is I, I, Jesus of Nazareth, the one that you are persecuting. Paul knew that he was face-to-face with the Isaiah 6 God. He was face-to-face with the Holy One of Israel. He was face-to-face with the God who holds the universe in the spans of his hands. Paul knew in that very moment that he was in the presence of the king of the universe. And this king was correcting him and his world was being utterly shattered utterly shattered this was not a religious conversion of paul this was a birth canal it was he was being utterly shattered by the humility of god like you you've got to be kidding you this majestic one would climb inside of a of a baby would be born with skin on that you would walk amongst us and can you imagine the stories of jesus that began flashing in his mind as he was he knew that jesus walked amongst sinners that he defended the woman caught in adultery that he washed the feet of others that's just what servants do like You've got to be kidding me. Paul's life was being utterly shattered. The God that he gave his life for, that he served with all of his being, he was willing to die. He was was willing to kill anybody that was getting in the way of giving his God honor. And this Jesus, is that God? It was the collision of humility and holiness. It was the collision of the majestic, powerful one that could do anything he wants at any time with the humility of Christ Jesus. Within Christ Jesus is the is the collision, is the cohesion of both humility and power. We as humans have a really hard time with that. We don't, we we somehow we are either, we either grab power and arrogance. We've all seen People who are gifted with powerful gifts, and then they um, stand in those powerful gifts and somehow take the glory. They're all the way through the scriptures, and they're everywhere in our world. We also see a lot of people that in humility, they define humility by thinking less of themselves, so they reject the power of God. Because they feel like, how could I be that bold? How could I stand in the power of God? I am nothing. And I'm sure you've heard this definition of humility before. But humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. (coughs) To be truly surrendered to the Lord means you you let him do whatever he wants to do through you. If that means standing up in boldness, that is not contrary to humility. Jesus was incredibly bold, scarily bold. He would have been kicked out of most dinner parties in our day. He would have been rejected in most of the churches that I go to. He was not socially appropriate. We serve a very dangerous very powerful, very bold, very humble king. The the man that we follow will ask us to do incredibly bold things. And if we shrink back thinking that that would be arrogant, then we're actually being arrogant by rejecting the call of God and thinking that we know better than him. We don't know better than him. I've spent years of my life, years, um, it's, okay, I'm going to talk about me for a second. Is that okay? Just for a minute. I'll get back to you. Um, but I think that's why I feel so emotional being here, because um, for years, I've, uh, the Lord's been telling me, um, oh gosh, this is going to be hard to get through. Um, I'm so sorry. Are you guys okay? um for years of my life the Lord's been saying to me things um like I am my next move the next time I pour myself out on this planet the next time that I show up in a in a different way in a powerful way it's going to be in an unexpected place through unexpected people And another time he would say, remember, I want you to look for the unassuming places and the unassuming people. I want you to keep your eye out because I'm not going to move through the people that we are expecting and the places that are receiving the glory. I'll move some. It's not like that. But he is planning on doing something that we have not seen before. And I've been hearing him say this for years, and I've been watching and waiting and then um, simultaneously, he's, he's taken me through these moments and these times where, uh, I never talk about this stuff publicly, but um, um, where he'll pull me into the throne room and I'll have this trembling encounter where, I'm sure it's not like Isaiah's, I'm certainly not comparing myself to him, but... And then he'll like, I feel like he then he takes me down to the dust of where he's seen like he's shown me this humility, this, this power and the, majest, the, the majesty of the throne room and then pull me down into the dust of where of what the dust that Jesus ate, right? The dust that Jesus <laughs> lived. And that, that mixture, I knew that this DNA of, of humility and power, of this, this um, cohesion of, of the unassuming places and the unassuming people, the, the pockets of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit around the world would, would be in those that had, um, had an understanding of humility and would not reject his power. They were willing to stand up in boldness and do crazy, wild things in his name. And not be afraid of themselves. And, uh, and that's the DNA you guys are carrying. I, I feel like I'm seeing a glimpse of what I've been looking for for a long time. It's the, the DNA that he has built here. What he has put in this, in this area, in this house, um, I feel like is what I've been looking for in this spirit for a long time. It's no small thing of what God wants to do here. It's no small thing. I am friends of mine went to Mozambique back in the early 90s. And I don't know if you guys heard the stories, but they went through a whole big season where there was a lot of people being raised from the dead. It was quite a massive revival with Heidi Baker and all that was going on. It wasn't just with Heidi. It it spread throughout all of Mozambique, Africa. And uh, in that season, friends of mine hopped on a plane and went to go visit. They just needed to see and meet these people. And um, and they... uh, I met with Heidi, and they sat down at this table, and um, Heidi promised to introduce them to the people, because Heidi wasn't praying for people and seeing the dead raised. It wasn't through her, which I love. It was through the indigenous pastors, Um, and so indigenous people, not just pastors. And so um, Heidi put my friends in this room, and it was like a big, long conference table, if you can picture it, in a grass hut with a dirt floor. <laughs> and, um, and then she brought in these people and, uh, and these Mozambicans, and they sat at the table with them. And they didn't even know why they were there. They just came into the room and sat down. And, um, and then Heidi looked at them and said, I just wanted you to meet my friends. They, they really, they flew all the way over here. My friends were pastors and, um, of, a, of a renewal, large church, and she said, uh, and they looked at my friends, and she said, these are the ones, and she started going around the room, and she said, this man has raised 10 people from the dead, this one 20, this one 30-something, um, like, this is, and, and she couldn't get very far before mayhem broke out in this room, like, the, most, the, the loudest chaos that our, my friends had ever heard because every single one of those Mozambican people hit the dust. They climbed underneath the table. They were screaming at the top of their lungs saying, no, don't look at me. Don't give me glory. It's not me. It was the Lord. I didn't do anything. Don't look at me. They they screamed. They were so angry at Heidi that she would announce that, that God had used them like that. They wouldn't get off the floor. They would not show their face to my friends again. They wouldn't get off the floor until they left and they would not go near them again. They would not let their face be seen to receive any glory whatsoever. I would have put it on Facebook. (laughs) Right? And Alan, I don't know if you remember this part of the word that I shared with you in June and that was, I'd never been here at that point, but I remember saying to you that what the Lord is about to do, you need to make sure your face isn't on it. You guys are a humble people, and you and you, you understand humility, even though there's some shame that is mixed in. The power of God is intoxicating And I believe he's about to do some mighty things. I really do. He already is. He's already starting. But my charge to you this morning is that you would um, ponder and study and pray, and prepare your hearts to handle it well, that you would carry on like the Mozambicans, that you would go low and go bold, That you would stay humble, but not shrink back when he wanted you to go bold and strong. That you would be able to discern when he was saying, charge forward, stand up, declare a thing. And let his power move through you in mighty ways. That you would not shrink back from that, thinking it was somehow arrogant. That you would... Embrace both power and humility and be surrendered to whatever it is he wants to do. And we have a great example in the person of Jesus. He did that so well. And I believe you can too. I believe you are primed and positioned for what God wants to do. And I'm really excited about what's around the corner. I really am. Amen? That's all I got. Awesome. Honey, do you have anything? You. I don't even know what time it is. I haven't looked once. We good? I st- I have a few minutes. You can have a few minutes.
0: <laughs> Maybe Caroline would come up with you and um, Robbie and the guys. And I think... Um, before the conference started, I, I asked, I "Felt the Lord give me a, a, a date, and it was um, June 2015. So I went back and looked over all my, looked over my journals and found something that I felt the Lord had said to me just around June, July 2015, and it was these words about God. I don't want this sounds even wrong to write this. Um, I feel like." I don't want this to be my own pride and all of that kind of thing, but I feel like you're calling me and us to steward a move of the Holy Spirit and start to write the things that along that the Holy Spirit would do, that like his presence would do, like bring reconciliation and forgiveness between people, and bring melt the hardest of hearts, you know, that you know, and on and on it went. And, um, you, know, you know, there was a couple of moments over the last few days we just just felt, oh, God, it's, it's, this is it, you know, this is the beginnings of what you want to do. And, and so my, my, my biggest prayer at the moment is, God, how do we steward what you're doing well? You know, is you, you do feel a fear of the Lord because, y, you know, I suppose history shows us how it's never really God that stopped his moves. You know, it's usually our humanity and our flesh and all that. And so my biggest prayer at the moment is, how do we, how do we steward that well? And I think, and I think what Christine has brought us this morning is, is teaching us and leading us into the grace of how to steward things with humility and with boldness. Yeah, and uh, and so I'd love you to pray that over us, Christine, today. Just as you've you've preached it, we already feel it in the room, and they're experiencing it. But I'd love you to pray that over us. So could we could we stand as a people together, and and um, and it's just um, whatever way you feel like you want to position yourself for however God's calling you to, to do this. Uh, one of the things that you know we feel is important about the way God is doing this. He's doing it through a body. He's not just doing it through one person. He's not doing it through one gift. He's doing it through a people, and that's the way it was always supposed to be. Yeah, there was there was some leaders around the early church, but there was certainly no superstars. Was it was the ordinary people, the day-to-day people that carried, just like those Mozambican pastors. Yeah. Just carry the presence and part of God and to proclaim the gospel wherever we go and to carry his presence, to fill out the culture with the presence of the Lord. So I love you to love you to pray that over us, Christy.
1: the Lord um, cleansing your palate like you've had one meal and before you can really taste what's coming next we need a, a palate cleanser many of you have been asking Lord what am I called to do what are my gifts what do you want me how, how what am I to do the how and the what and those are fine questions Right now he just wants your yes to carry his presence, to let him infuse you with his DNA, to let him infuse you with the Holy Spirit of God. So Holy Spirit, will you blow with love, manifested, anointed love, This movement will be called a movement of love as its primary expression. What God wants to pour out will be filled with the manifestation of love himself. Hey, so Holy Spirit, will you pour yourself down? Will you wash over? Will you wash over fears and wipe them away? Holy Spirit, will you introduce yourself to those who feel they haven't met you yet? I ask you, Lord, let us be true Jesus followers. Let us walk so closely behind him that the dust of his feet cover over us let us be bowed so low as we follow after jesus that the dust from his sandals ends up on our faces let us watch him let us watch jesus and how he moves and how he responds. Let us have surrendered hearts that we would be bold when he says to be bold. That we would rise up when he says to rise up. That we would not shrink back out of shame. That we would not have a false sense of what is truly humble. True humility will obey. True humility always obeys out of duty but out of love you are followers You are followers and you are carriers of majesty and humility Lord I'm asking you for the Damascus Road revelation to be carried in our hearts that that revelation that Paul had in that moment was not just a revelation of his salvation it was the revelation about you and who you are are, who you are, that the Holy One, the Majestic One of Israel, climbed inside of human flesh and walked among us, and now he says that I walk amongst everyone through you. Holy Spirit, will you drip down, drip down, fill mouths with your words, fill hearts with your love fill minds with your understanding and remember just as Paul he needed to be blinded so that he would learn not to judge with his natural eyes The Spirit. That's why we close our eyes to know by the Spirit. So let this pour out on these beautiful ones right here, that they would learn how to follow the Spirit, how to know by the Spirit of God. they would sense the Holy Spirit moving within them, that they would surf the waves, flow in the river,
2: flow in the river, the mighty river of God. got this really strong picture that won't leave me of like one of those old fashioned kettles that you put on a stove
1: and when it's like the heat is being turned up and as the heat is being turned up the the whistling starts and it's getting the attention of everybody around and the whole idea of overflowing it's just like what the Holy Spirit is doing with the heat being turned up is just overflowing it's bubbling out of this kettle and it can't be contained but I felt like God said, you need to keep filling it up again because it'll eventually dry up and bubble over. We need to keep so connected to the Holy Spirit that we keep getting
2: an in filling so that as the heat continues to rise, there's a constant overflow out of that.
0: Amen. Amen. Let's just keep being filled. Just feel like one of the beautiful things what the Lord is doing. I think amongst us, and one of the things that gives me confidence that this is the Lord, like well, there's all when the Holy Spirit moves, there's all the things that maybe we would expect or um, I've heard about before when it comes to manifestations of the Holy Spirit, manifestations of power and um, of emotion and passion, and it is all of those things, and there will be all of those things, you know. But do you know more than anything else? This—it feels like Jesus. It feels like the scandalous grace of Jesus. It feels like the spirit that a smouldering flack—it will not squeeze it out. It feels like the spirit of when it sees a bruised reed, it will not like walk on it. It feels like the, it feels like Jesus. It feels like His heart. This is actually a Trinity Sunday, and we remember and realize that—that that on this on this day that. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. It looks like Jesus. Yeah? We can't separate. We can't separate at all. Even though there's a distinct kind of personality in the Holy Spirit that we've been honouring and recognising, but He puts and He brings to us the face of Jesus. Yeah, and uh, and I just love how this feels like Jesus, and I love what Christine has brought us this morning. It's been the heart of Jesus. That, that's, what a, that's what a move of the spirit has to look like. It has to look like Jesus. And so, Jesus, we just we thank you, Lord, that through your spirit, God, that you're resting on us. And Lord, we just ask God as we leave this place today, Lord, and as we go into our weeks ahead, and as we as we feast on our word. Stella shared a word with me at the start about how we have to move on and get hungry around the word and stay mature in our in our in our transformation into Christlikeness. And let's uh, let's let's commit ourselves to that in the days ahead. allowing the Spirit as He softens our heart to mature us, to, that these encounters would mature in the incarnational acts of love and truth and justice and mercy and compassion. And let's create a different Spirit and a different culture, the colony of heaven, just fill in the atmosphere of this town and this city. And so, Lord, bless you today. Lord, be blessed with the smile of the Father upon you.